Hello, and welcome to the Lady Quest podcast. I'm Ariel Kylie, and this podcast is for you, intuitive, self aware, somewhat witchy women, to help you really commit to your purposeful path on this planet through this life. So, today I want to talk about callings. First, let's start by just defining callings. Merriam-Webster Dictionary says a calling is a strong desire to spend your life doing a certain kind of work. That's nice. But in Lady Quest, it's not just one thing. Like you have one calling and that's it. And once you get there, you're done. In Lady Quest, a calling shows up as an urge to move toward a project practice, art form, role in life, way of being, or vocation that continually captures your attention. And a calling might not make sense given where you've come from, what you were raised to think you should be, or your self-perception, but generally it persists. And callings are tied to a larger sense of your soul's destiny in this life. Only you can know your callings. So throughout my life, I have had numerous different callings. When I was in my 20s, I had such an intense and deep call to study spiritual teachings and awakening philosophies. It just absorbed so much of my attention. I would inhale book after book. I would listen to audios. I would go on retreats. I would listen to meditations. I was just so fascinated with this topic of awakening. It's interesting with a calling because a lot of times you reach a point of deep satisfaction that you have fulfilled it. You learned what you came here there to learn. And that's really what happened with those teachings, I I think I just internalized them so much. They became a part of who I am. So although I love seeing a great quote by Nisargadatta or Krishnamurti or Byron Katie, I don't need, I don't have the same thirst that I used to have to follow those. However, I have a couple callings right now that completely capture my attention, like the call to be a mother Originally, the call was to create a family, which included um, finding a partner, finding a husband, getting married, and then having kids. And since I got this call really strongly, I actually got it when I was in Joshua Tree in the desert three and a half years ago. I pretty quickly after that, I found Matt, who's my husband, on OkCupid. And, you know, we built a relationship, we moved in together, we got engaged, we got married. So I have that piece in place. And now it's really shifted to the call to motherhood. And it's fascinating to me because there were times in my life where I was very specifically (laughs) against becoming a mom. I remember my boyfriend in my late 20s, I had such a clear thought. We were sitting at a gas station one day and I had been feeling this pressure, like I was supposed to get married and have his babies or something. And he had pumped the gas and came back and got in the car. And I just turned to him and I said, I don't think I want to have babies. And he kind of said, oh, okay. And I said, and I don't, I don't think I want to get married either. And he said, oh, okay. Um, 
And I, I later learned from him that he had actually been starting to kind of lightly look for an engagement ring. So I probably said it at the right time. In retrospect, it was really important that I didn't pursue those things right then or with that person. But 10 years later, it's just the tides turn. You know, you can have all these different life experiences and a calling can arise that wasn't there before. So now I have this call to motherhood and I'm in my early 40s. So it's not as easy as just, you know, having sex a few months in a row and having a baby. I think for some people it can be. I'm not going to I'm not saying it has to be hard. But we've been we've been in the in the project for a couple of years now and it's a project. And yet the call is so clear to me that I will do any number of uncomfortable things to honor this calling. For example, I have been on the healthiest and most obnoxious diet for a year and a half now. I pretty much eat mostly vegetables, healthy fats, and high quality meats. I don't barely eat any sugar. I don't have any caffeine. I don't have any alcohol. I don't have any processed foods or gluten. And there have been times when I've slipped a little bit, but my fertility markers like my hormone markers, my follicle count, all that has very dramatically increased, enhanced through doing this diet. So I know it works. And even though it's really annoying, I'm willing to do it to honor this call to motherhood. And that's a hallmark of a calling. When you really commit to it, all the things you have to do that are uncomfortable or unfun become easier they become more worthwhile. They even become kind of like a game. And that reminds me of when I was in my late 30s, I had some lingering college debt and some other debts. I had about $36,000 in debt and I was living in Brooklyn, New York. And I got a bee in my bonnet about it. I just suddenly was so tired of not understanding money and not thinking I could master my money. I had this old self-concept of being like this girl who doesn't get money and money is for big, strong men. And I don't have the kind of brain that understands money or because I'm a yoga teacher and I work for myself, I could never make enough money to have my money under control. And I was so tired of that narrative that I got just crazy focused on learning everything I could about money, how to get out of debt, how to invest. I got really into the FIRE movement, which is financial independent retire early. So a movement of people who are so strategic about how they save and invest their money that they, some of them retire as early as like 30 years old. And some of them, it's more like 50, but really just in control of their money in a whole other way than we typically think about. And I spent I mean, I spent thousands of hours reading blog posts, reading books, listening to podcasts, and ultimately I decided I wanted to get out of debt. My goal was in 14 months and being really focused, I was able to do it in 10 months. So I paid off $36,000 in 10 months as a New York City yoga teacher on my own. 
And it makes me think about the motherhood call because my inner drive to be the boss of my money, to get the frick out of that narrative I had been living in was so strong that I would teach extra yoga classes. I would, I I think my grocery budget a month was $250, which just sounds so low right now. I had, I was using the cash envelope system. So I had cash in envelopes every month. That was my budget for what to spend on that category. And it blew my mind. I think the first month I was able to put something like $450 toward my debt, something fairly negligible. The last month, I believe I put $8,000. It was either eight dollars or $10,000 toward my debt. I just got the momentum going and going and going to the point where I knocked that debt out so fast. And I had a complete shift in my mentality, my confidence, really my inner baller that I can do that. I can be in control of my money. And I also, like, I didn't go out. I would throw these art parties at the loft I lived at where I would just invite a bunch of awesome women over and we would do art projects and people would bring different snacks. So it cost next to nothing, but it actually was often a lot more fun than the social plans I would have done. I remember I would meet my mom because she lived in New York too. And instead of meeting at the Ace Hotel for cocktails or whatever, which is what we used to do, we would meet in these cute little, you know, those tiny little pocket parks in New York City, these cute little parks. I remember we were at one that was right off 6th Avenue near Bleecker in the village. And it was just this little triangle park. And we met and we both had different Tupperwares of snacks. And we sat and we were just having this afternoon picnic. It was probably a Friday afternoon or something, sitting on this bench, enjoying New York. And who walked through that tiny park in this beautiful yellow dress with this giant bouquet of balloons? Claire Danes, like out of nowhere, Claire Danes in this yellow party dress with these balloons walks through this little park. And I feel like it was such um it was such a like wink from the universe of just like, hey kid, you're doing all right. Like you're you're in a you're in a great spot. And I, I just have to say all the things that I would think would have been really hard and sucky about that getting out of debt journey actually turned out to be things that were fun to figure out and made me feel so proud. So that's kind of what happens oftentimes with a calling. When we think about it in the beginning, we think, oh, it's going to be so much work or it's going to be so hard or will people understand? And then we make a plan and then we get into the swing of pursuing it. And there's so much learning and growth and delight in taking on the challenge that it just like the trying becomes worthwhile in and of itself. I told you the Merriam-Webster definition of a calling earlier on, a strong desire to spend your life doing a certain kind of work. 
I have a lady quest definition for a calling that's a little bit different. I say a calling is the inner urge to do or be something specific and meaningful that's born out of the generative energy between your inner nature and life itself. The inner urge to do or be something specific and meaningful that's born out of the generative urge between your inner nature and life itself. So if we look at the second half of this sentence, born out of the generative urge between your inner nature and life itself, what I'm saying is that I don't actually think callings are just from you. I don't think it's just some isolated urge or desire inside you. I believe that there's something about the intelligence, the energy of life itself, mixing and mingling and connecting with the unique organism that you are that brings about this call. And one thing I like to say to the ladies in Lady Quest, my program, is it's called a calling because you're called to do it. It's like the phone is ringing and you can either pick it up or not pick it up, but you're being called. It's not a selfish urge. And I mean, I actually have no problem with selfish urges, so I'm not saying they're bad, but I am saying Often with a calling, it feels like there's something bigger at play. And the other cool thing about a calling is we often don't know what that bigger story is until we follow through on the calling and do the thing and see what else it leads to. Like I now primarily work as a transformational coach, either in one-on-one work or with my group coaching program, Lady Quest. I would have had no idea that that personal getting out of debt journey I did when I was teaching yoga in New York would have such a huge effect on my career now. Me understanding money and understanding how to make financial choices as they relate to life choices is foundational to my work as a transformational coach. You have to be checking in with that stuff to know when and how to make other, especially riskier decisions in your life that a lot of times people are experimenting with if they're coming to coaching. So at the time, I thought I just, for myself, want to take take control of my money. And now I'm seeing it's so much bigger than that. I also can see how important it is in my relationship and marriage to Matt. Matt is really smart with money. He's done a lot of his own deep learning and growth with finances. And so when we're together planning our finances and planning our future, I am so grateful that I know what I'm talking about. I'm not deferring to him. I'm not turning a blind eye. We're in this eye-to-eye conversation about what we want to do with money and what we want to do together in the future. And it's so much more fun that way. So it's like I, it contributes hugely to my professional life. It also contributes hugely to my relationship and my home life. And honestly, the conversations I'm having with members of my family about their financial planning and securing their futures. So the point is the calling is always bigger than you. 
And it's part of the fun to find out how and why later on. Now, I do want to dip into a quick example of a calling that would seemingly be against my nature that actually was really important for me to follow and really lent itself to my future. If we go back again to my 20s, when I was obsessed with studying spirituality, I was also, it took me a long time to graduate from college. I graduated from NYU, I think the day before I turned 27. Um, So it took a while. And by that point, I had, you know, played around with being an actress. I had waited a lot of tables. Um, I had started writing a book with my friend Simone, which was later published, but it was just in its nation phases phase then. And I had been so anti-corporate America that it had actually gotten to the point where it looked kind of exotic to me. There were all these people working in offices, sitting in these desk chairs behind computers, and I had just rejected it. And then I thought, wait, what's what's really going on there? Maybe I should try being in corporate America. So I I moved to Los Angeles with my boyfriend at the time, and I started working for a temp agency, and they got me a job for the American film market that was working in exhibitor services for the market. And the American film market is kind of like can without the red carpet. Can is a market where people are buying and selling films. That's what the American film market is. It's just not quite as sexy, basically. And it happens in Santa Monica in November once a year. So I worked in exhibitor services. I had an awesome boss, Andrea, and I was her, basically her executive assistant. So I would be writing emails to these film companies from around the world, helping organize their participation in the market because they would all rent different hotel rooms or hotel suites and deck them all out to promote their films. And this was a real office job. I was in a shared cubicle. There was someone else in the cubicle with me. I was in charge of a few file cabinets. I had a computer, had an office chair that swiveled and had wheels. And everything was kind of, you know, gray. It had that gray office look to it. And ultimately, I did two cycles of this job, two six-month chunks of it, and then I left and I haven't had a corporate job since. But what I learned on that job was how to type really fast, how to communicate really clearly, because when you're writing to a company from Thailand, your English needs to be so crisp and clear just for clarity so that they can translate it right. And also my boss, like I said, Andrea, my boss was this really cool lady. And I remember one time I was second guessing myself. I was often second guessing myself about how to do something, how to do it right. And I went into her office and I was asking her these questions. And she just said, Ariel, what I want you to do is do everything in your power to do the thing how you think it should be done. And if you're completely stuck, then you come to me. But otherwise, don't come to me. And she also encouraged me to use brevity in my words, to not over-explain things, just to be direct, say what I needed. And also, I had to get really good at filing things and organization. 
And these were skills I was lacking. And being at that job and getting really crisp and clear with communication, getting much better organization, typing with great accuracy really fast, these are skills I needed to become an entrepreneur later on. So even though my future wasn't in corporate America or with the American film market, what I learned there was really important on my path. So that funny little urge to get a corporate job, get a desk job, had an important effect on the rest of my life. So at this point, I think you probably get the idea of what a calling is. And I do want to just give you a few other examples of callings. A calling could be to build your own home. It could be to write a book. It could be to run a half marathon. It could be to explore and express your own femininity. That's actually come up a lot in Lady Quest. It could be to make space for a loved one or a new partner in your life. It could be to care for someone who's dying in your life, like do a really beautiful job showing up for them and caring for them in that process. It doesn't have to be a career. It doesn't have to be a creative venture, but it could be. It doesn't have to be a physical feat, but it could be. It could be the call to learn to meditate. So they really show up in infinite forms. And when you are able to feel into the callings that are happening for you now and articulate them in a clear sentence, it's so helpful to give shape to how to go about pursuing them and even respect that they're there so you can pursue them. So my invitation to you here at the other end of this podcast is to think about what are the callings in your life right now? What are the things that you're drawn to do or be or create or experience? If you're afraid, if the thing makes you nervous, that's probably a good sign that it's actually an important calling. Oftentimes they aren't easy. Oftentimes they are new and they're asking a different part of you to get activated or to come forward. So just take some time to ponder it. You could write a little in a journal too. That's always helpful. Just start by naming it or naming them. And in future podcasts, I am going to help guide you on what to do with them. Thank you so much for listening today. And I can't wait to be with you next time. If you like this podcast, you will love the LadyQuest program. Join my newsletter through the link in the episode description if you want to learn more about LadyQuest, my one-on-one coaching work, and get invited to free transformational workshops I teach on a regular basis online. Also, if you want to make my day, you could leave a five-star review for this podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of my world, and I look forward to being with you again very soon.